Hey, it's Sean from the Commander's Brew. Thank you for listening. I do appreciate it. I'm Today I'm going to talk about a double master's box that I opened live on YouTube and then put a deck together from it. I'm going to talk about that process, talk about that deck. If you haven't seen the YouTube episode, it is available to watch. I recorded it live. It's my first time doing ever a live YouTube thing. Well, I guess it isn't because according to YouTube, this has happened before on the Commander's Brew YouTube channel. I don't remember that. And I don't know if their live functionality has changed. It felt like a new thing to me. So I'm just going to say that. That's my perception of it. Anyway, go watch it. I'm, I still have to like tinker around and edit it down. There's a lot of like dead air. And I know you can do that within the client. So I'm going to learn how to do that. This is big for me, I think. I, you know, sometimes taking on new things is challenging. I don't like being bad at new things. I don't like not kind of a bit of a perfectionist personality, you know? So I like to have it down everything I do. I like to present my best possible thing. And that's just not realistic. I, that's something I'm working on, trying to be like, hey, good enough is good enough. It doesn't have to be perfect because, you, you know, you agonize over that last 10 percent and no one even notices those small details. But I do know that there's a lot of dead air and that is something I can easily fix. I can edit it within there. Anyway, it was a very cool experience. I'm going to talk about that. I'm going to go into the deck. You can keep listening here if you'd rather. I'm going to go into some of the I'm going to recap it, kind of go over what I learned and what uh, is interesting about this. Uh, but before I do, I must thank you for listening. And I'm doing that now. Thank you for listening. Thank you for heading on over to patreon.com slash commandersbrew. That's a huge way to help. Thank you to use the TCG player link if you're buying cards or if you're buying singles in Canada. You got to use the Wizard Tower coupon, uh, Brew Double. And of course, as you know, this podcast and show is now also partly sponsored by Darksteel Industries and their dude, Darksteel Eric, I will always have something to say uh, regarding the ads. So let's do that now. Hello, Darksteel Eric here, representative of Darksteel Industries. I'd like to take a moment and tell you what Darksteel Industries is all about. We're about change. We're about progress. We're about growth. We're about attitudes. We're about escapism. We're about the future. We're about fiction and nonfiction. We're about pizza. We're about breakfast. And we're about all the things in between. We're about good times with friends and bad times with enemies. We're about the ups. We're about the downs. And we're about those sidewayses that show up when you least expect it. We're a friendly knock at the door, and we're a fun puddle to jump in. We're a quick cross-country trip across the mountains, and we're a deep dive into a scary cave. But no matter what, we're not going to go anywhere. We'll be here forever. Darksteel Industries. And now the real ad from the Wizard's Tower, wizardtower.com. If you're a Canadian listener, you can go there and use our coupon code BREWDOUBLE to get 5% off your singles order, $20 or more. And if you're not in Canada, it's still a great site to go to for content. Deck text articles on other stuff. WizardTower.com. Now back to the show. Thank you, Darksteel Eric. And yeah, let's, so before I break down the box opening, I want to talk about the process of it. And I think it's a really cool experiment to open a box and put together a commander deck out of what you open inside there. We did this a long time ago for Battle of the Brews. Uh, we each opened, the four players opened a different box of a approximately standard legal set. I don't know if they were all standard at the time, but it was like recent 
standard anyway. And the notion was you can only use cards from that deck, except for basic lands, obviously, from that box. And you're allowed to pick a commander outside of that box. That was to kind of shore up the possible, like, what if you don't open any eligible commanders in that deck? Well, like, what if they're just simply aren't legendary creatures that can do green and white? And that's what you want to do. So we opened it up after that. I do want to spend a second talking about the notion of like what a box costs and what a deck costs. And if there's really any value in talking about what a deck costs, let me tell you what I mean. You hear it all the time. People say, oh, this deck costs $120 or I'm trying to build a new deck and I want to keep it under a hundred bucks. And I think in a moment, like you can quickly think of it like, oh, well, this kind of box commander idea isn't so bad. You know, the average box of cards. I mean, I don't know what a box is. I, I just pulled up Amazon.ca, Canadian Amazon. You can buy a box of Neon Dynasty, the set booster, 30 packs for 150 bucks Canadian. So, you know, that's what a lot of decks go for. And you could say like, well, well, then I'll get to you get the fun of cracking packs and I'll get a decent commander deck out of that. They're definitely lower power. So it, then then you have to figure like, well, then that's not it's not worth it. That's not what like a hundred and fifty dollar deck should be better than what you could put together from this neon dynasty box. Not to mention if you're going outside for your commander, then you have to pay more anyway. So then it just because a bit of a losing proposition. This is no surprise. We always know that buying singles is better than just buying a box and hoping to open cards. But it's the exercise is fun, just seeing what you can come up with. And but then like what does a deck cost? Like what is so if you were to buy the singles, nobody's buying the basics, right? You've probably got a bunch of like ramp and like card draw spells. You're not gonna like buy a cultivate. That is even if a cultivate belongs in the deck, there's a discussion that cultivate might be getting too slow for commander. That's a world I don't want to live in. But then so then if you're not buying those cards, are you buying like do you have another Sol Ring or are you buying a Sol Ring? Do you do you have the basic duels or you buy you just move them from deck to deck? So then you're really saying like, I don't even know what you're saying anymore. Like it's my my reality. I'm I'm challenging the reality like as I see it. And like when we say a deck is 150 bucks. What does that mean? Like, I know, I know literally it means if you add up the cumulative cost to a deck, but what does it mean to a person? Uh, When I hear a deck is 150 bucks, I know I, if I want that deck, I'm not paying 150 bucks for all those cards. I probably have half of them. So then it's like, well, which ones don't I have? Is that 50 bucks? That seems, seems more reasonable, but then you go a step further and you're like, well, out of that 50 bucks, one of them is like 20 bucks. So I'll just leave that card out. If the deck works without that single card, or maybe I can find a like worse version of it. And like, maybe my meta doesn't want that deck. Maybe my meta is like, you know, I need more targeted removal and more card draw. That's how my meta works. So I'm going to adjust it. So I'm going to make some cuts. I'm going to do some stuff. So like, what do we even, I guess it's a helpful starting point, I guess. But even then, I don't know if that's useful, because if we're going to look at a published deck's value, how much of that comes from lands? I put in shocks and fetches. This deck is going to be 400 bucks. So is that 
a fair price? Does that tell you anything about the deck? Probably not, because you're going to look at the list and be like, oh, I already have the shocks and fetches. So what does it really cost me? Oh, the deck's really 35 bucks. Or maybe you're just like, I don't even need, I don't have the shocks and fetches. So I'm not going to buy the shocks and fetches. So it's still a $35 deck for that, for that person. So, you know, you've thrown one original duel. Like the, that just, the, the price is mean. It's almost like we need, there's got to be a better way to price decks. Like I'm not a math expert. I could have researched this before, but the average cost of a card isn't super helpful because if you've got one underground C in the deck, then the average cost of a card is going to be way higher than it actually is. So then there's like a, it's maybe it's worth talking about the, I don't know what mode is. I, I will admit I forgot that. But the median cost of a card is that I know what one that is. The median is like card number 50 out of all your cards ranked most expensive to least expensive. How much is card number 50? You know, you could it's probably worth cutting the basics anyway, because the basics ruin the number. The, the base. It's about conveying information. What's a better way to convey the more useful information? Was I gotta know what mode does? It has to. Which is the better one for when tons of the value is crammed up in the top ten cards, and the rest are like budget basement cards? What's a good number to illustrate that? Okay, I looked it up. The mode is the number that appears most frequently in your list, which sounds like it's better for like more whole numbers. Like we use prices, so they're like decimal points, and there's probably very few repeated numbers. So the mode may not be helpful. If two cards cost six twenty-five and every other card is a unique price, then your mode is $625, even if every other card is $1,000 and change. So not helpful. Average. So maybe like average, like maybe like maybe the better way to do it is like, what if you if you knock off the top three cards? I mean, I mean, I, I devised a system ages ago that I thought would be useful, but it just seemed really hard to do. Did I devise it? I don't know. I think it's like, like where, how many cards does it take to get 50% of your value? That feels like that's a a known math thing. So like, does it take three cards to get 50% of the value of the deck? That's very different than if it takes, you know, 22 cards to get 50% of the value of the deck. I think that's a very useful it seems more useful to me and how I want to look at prices of decks. Anyway, let's move to a, the Double Masters box. So I opened a box of Double Masters, courtesy of the Wizards Tower. Thank you very much, Wizards Tower Thugs. And that's a, a expensive, it's an expensive box. I'm not going to I'm not going to pretend it isn't. And, you know, this is too much to spend on a commander deck in one shot, in my opinion, especially if you're not going to buy it. Like if you're going to buy a four hundred dollar commander deck, it better be a really good deck. You better have like top singles. Uh, you're buying 99 cards, not the lands, and they're all going to be very good for the deck. But that's I mean, yeah, I guess I just wish everyone I guess maybe wish cards were cheaper. I guess that's what I wish. I wish that boxes were cheaper or that they printed higher power cards or that they charged less for these master sets. Anyway, because it's really fun. It's really fun to go through it and actually have a bunch of good cards. Where I'm like, I, like, I honestly think this is a decent commander deck. Um, well, OK, I've, I've ranted enough about prices of decks. Let me get into how this went. So 
normally when I mention a card, I tell you like what the casting cost is, what the like what like exactly what it does and all the nuances. But I'm going to shortcut all that for this episode. There's a lot of cards here and Double Masters is is I guess it's is it unique? I don't know. There's no there's no new cards. It's all repeats. It's all like reprints. So you probably have encountered most of these before. I will try to highlight the ones that are like especially weird. But so, okay, let me start with some of the rares I opened and I'm going to go by color. Now I'm going to start with monocolor rares. This set is, this is the perfect set for this kind of experiment because there are two color intended draftable decks and there are also three color intended draftable decks, which means there's a ton of multicolor cards, which in turn, means a lot of your rares will be multicolored, which is great. And they threw in a ton of legendaries too, which is also cool. But let me start with the monocolored cards. This list is shorter than you might think. So starting with the colorless cards, because those will be able to go in no ma- the deck no matter which direction we go. I got Conqueror's Flail. That's the equipment that makes you your creature bigger. And most notably, no one can cast spells on your turn. So no one can blow out combat tricks. No one can counter your stuff. Uh, Kozilek, I opened a Kozilek, Butcher of Truth. That's the f- draw four Titan. Uh, it also has Annihilator four, which is great. Shuffles itself back into the deck when it goes to the graveyard. Sensei's Divining Top. Hello. Honestly, I, I, I've I never played with Sensei's Divining Top. I'm going to be honest with you. It's a card that's a little bit annoying and it's a little bit expensive and it doesn't do a whole lot except be a little bit of a pain in the butt <laughs> where you got to like think about it every turn. Anyway, uh, you can put cards back on the top of the deck and reorganize them all the time and you're constantly doing it. Uh, and also Cavern of Souls. It's a land that when you cast a creature with it, or sorry, you name a type. It's meant to be for tribal decks. You name a type, and then you, when you cast creatures of that type with that spell, am I getting that right? Again, it's an expensive card. I don't usually play with it, but I don't think it'll do a ton in this deck, but I'm going to run it anyway. Okay, there's the colorless cards. Let's go through Wooburg order. Those cards will probably be in no matter what. So not a lot of white rares. I got a Weathered Wayfarer. That's the creature that has the ability to get a planes onto the battlefield if people have more land than you. So that's a ramp in white. That's excellent. And I opened a Smothering Tithe. That's the best white card that there is right now. Uh, extra treasures, making people pay. That's it. Those are the mono white rares. Let's go through the blue rares. Talrand, Sky Summoner, makes 2-2 flying drakes when you cast instants and sorceries. I got a mana drain, which is strictly better counter spell. It's blue, blue, counter a spell, but you get the mana next turn. Got an as foretold. That's the enchantment that grows every upkeep, and you can cast a free spell that's as big as the number of counters on it. I got a pull from tomorrow, X blue blue, draw X cards, discard one, gifts ungiven, which is banned in commander. I suppose there's no, like you don't need to ban that card in this environment where you're not putting a combo that will make it degenerate. Uh, so, you know, loosely, I say if you want to put blue in this deck, if you want to like use the blue cards, you should be able to use that. I don't think anyone would really object in that sense. So we go on to the black cards, Necrotic Ooze. 
it's that ooze that has all the abilities of all the cards and all your grave. And all graveyards are just your graveyard. I forget. Una's Prowler, a simple little aggressive creature, like a 3-1 flyer. But you can discard a card. Anybody can discard a card to give it minus 2, minus 0. So we're helping all the discard people, but we help our own discards. Gravecrawler, a little aggressive zombie for one single black that you can cast from the graveyard if you already have a zombie. And ironically... I looked through, there are very few actual zombies in, or at least that I opened. So, I mean, it's not that easy to turn that on. And save the best for last in the black singles, Damnation, Black Wrath of God. Excellent. Let me talk about the rare, uh, the red cards, not rare, red. I mean, these are the rares and mythics. Uh, Seasoned Pyromancer, that's the new one. It's like a, it's like one red red and you can discard cards as it enters. And if you discard instants and sources, you get elementals. And when it dies, you get to do more stuff. Honestly, I have not, I don't have all these cards memorized because they're expensive and I hardly ever interact with them. Twin Flame. It's the one with Strive that lets you copy a creature, give it haste, and then it dies at the end of the turn. Uh, But you can pay more mana to get more copies of things. Abbot of Carol Keep. Not a great commander card. It's a little card advantage in red. Uh, it's a creature that enters, and then you get to you get to impulse the top card of your library. You get to play it later if you have the mana, um, or not. It's got prowess. Let's talk green. Oracle of Muldaya. Huge. Green Sun Zenith. Incredible card to go look at for other green creatures, such as Oracle of Muldaya. And in the finisher category, Impervious Great Worm. That's that convoke, like, it's like... T- 10 10 indestructible or 16 16 maybe it's not indestructible but it's like 16 16 it's got convoke i think it's indestructible anyway it's big there you go there's the e there are the single color cards lots of multicolor cards some legendaries i got a thraxamundar wasatora nakoru queen that's that like cat dragon that makes little cat dragons dragon lord silimgar the shattergang brothers sadisi brood tyrant one of the og sultai commanders that makes zombies uh kambal consul of allocation Orzov punishes other people for casting non-creatures. Uh, Dragonlord Dramoka, another way that opponents can't cast spells on our turn. Uh, Mathas Fiendseeker, this is that Mardu one that puts bounty counters on creatures, and when they die, everyone's opponent of that creature gets to draw cards. Um, Atlapalani turns eggs into random creatures. Uh, Verena the Lich Queen, a great zombie lord, but as I said, not a ton of zombies in the deck to do it. Grand Arbiter Augustine the Fourth. There you go. A little bit of hate in blue white. Ural the Mist Stalker, hexproof, or I should, yeah, hexproof, and you can put uh, all sorts of auras on it. Elsha of the Infinite, being able to cast things at flash off the top of our library if they're not creatures. Judith the Scourge Diva, very aggressive, unlikely to be a commander, but heck, we might do an aggressive deck with this. Those are the legendaries to choose from. Um, non, some non-legendaries got a villainous wealth, got a legion's initiative. That's that red-white one that you can sacrifice it to blink your team, but it gives red creatures plus one plus zero oh, and white creatures plus zero oh, plus one. Uh, Dauntless escort. Uh, that's the uh, Selesnia sacrifice to give your team indestructible. Uh, privileged position. All your stuff's got shroud, shroud or, or hexproof. I forget. Assassin's Trophy, Killer Removal, Anguish on Making, Killer Removal. I also want to highlight that all the lieges are in here. And I opened 
uh, the red green liege, the black green liege, the white blue, and the black blue liege. And most importantly, they're all kind of like they'll give black creatures plus one plus oh and red creatures plus one plus oh plus one plus one. They're anthems for the two colors that they represent. And I mean, most of them are kind of dull, but I did open the black green one, which I think is the best one because it makes a black and green worm token every turn. But because it's both black and green, it gets plus two plus two from the liege itself. So I'm making three threes every turn with this thing. You know, the other ones get like flying or trample. No big deal. So here's some some things I'm looking at. I'm definitely like I'm definitely looking at Elsha of the Infinite as a possible commander because I've got Sensei's Divining Top, which lets me manipulate the top of the library to almost always make sure that there's a non-creature up there and be able to cast it at flash. And as foretold, as foretold and Elsha of the Infinite are a killer combo because I get to cast one spell for free every turn as long as the mana value is under what's on as foretold. And it does not, I checked, it does not specify it has to be from hand. So Elsha can freely cast non-creatures off the top using as foretold every, like every turn. Like a, you get to do that every turn. So my turn, your turn, your turn, your turn, my turn again. And as foretold gets bigger. Those three in combination mean we gotta look at the Esper cards here. Looking at the Esper cards, we've also got Talrand and Seasoned Pyromancer. I also have Young Pyromancer to look at, like, and looking to pitch the uncommons. Um, I've got Grand Arbiter for a bit of ramp, technically, technically ramps, although it also hurts other people. It's a bit of a staxy thing. Now, I don't have any red eligible lieges. I do have the white blue liege, so I. I can make those drakes three threes every time Talrun makes one because it's making all the blue creatures plus one plus one. I would love a red green liege to like go in this sort of deck, but I simply don't have it, access to it. You know, it brings up the question for this for this exercise. Do you want to allow people to get cards outside of that out in the set, but outside of that box? I feel like if it's common, go for it. Maybe the rares have to be opened. I don't know. Anyway, I think I'm going to stop looking at I'm going to stop looking at the Jeskai deck there because, you know, you're going to want to like you have to look at what are the non creature spells and like. So, yeah, for sure. Lightning Bolt, Lightning Rift is in there. Lava Coil, Washout, Domestication. These all become instant speed when they're on the top of the library. They used to be sorceries. I mean, they are sorceries, but Elsha can cast them. Um but then I think to myself, like, what, what is what is this deck doing? What's the end game? I mean, I've got Kozilek, so every deck has a win con in Kozilek. Uh, I just have to find a way to keep it alive and make sure, or keep it from being exiled. Like, if you can't destroy it, it'll go back in the deck, and I'll shuffle my deck in. Maybe I'll get some more draw cards. I think it's, it's decent. It sounds fun, for sure. But again, I, I just don't see a full deck there. And you know, I've kind of buried the lead a little bit. Maybe you piece it together, but my Obzon cards are off the hook. They're so good. Uh, so not only, like, I also opened an Obzon Ascendancy. So right away, it comes down, puts plus one, plus one counters on the team, and every time a non-token creature dies, I get a spirit token creature. That's incredible. Uh, if you want, like, every deck needs some ramp. Here's what we have access to. Oracle of Moldiah and the Weathered Wayfarer, as mentioned. 
if you dig deeper into the commons and uncommons, we've got rampant growth. I got a cold steel heart. I got an elvish rejuvenator that also puts a couple cards in the graveyard as it finds its land. Excellent. You want some draw? No problem. Got an Obzon Charm. One of the modes there is to draw a couple cards. I got a Vampiric Rites where I can uh, sack a creature to draw cards. Or is it pay life to draw a card? I think it's pay life to draw a card. I got a Wall of Omens that draws me a card for coming in. I got a Mentor of the Meek that allows me to draw extra cards when I cast stuff like the Wall of Omens. Let's keep rolling, right? I got an Unearth. So sorcery that lets you cast a little creature back from the graveyard and, you know, stuff like Wall of Omens, stuff like Mentor of the Meek, uh, get those, keep that draw engine going if I want to. I got an Unburial Rites. It's got flashback. It, it reanimates a creature twice with it, you know, once on the front and once as you flash it back. I got an Eternal Witness. Eternal Witnesses in this set, that's uncommon. So I can get that back with an Unearth. I can get other cards back that way. Flicker Wisp to bounce something. I can maybe bounce a Wall of Omens if I need to. Get a card that way. Trigger Mentor of the Meek to draw another card. Maybe something like that. Options. So like that, and that's just that's just a ramp and sort of card draw. You want to talk removal? Here's what this set gives you in room. So I already mentioned I opened the rares Anguished on Making an Assassin's Trophy. Two top tier commander removal spells. You want to keep going? In the uncommon slot, I opened a Path to Exile, another top tier removal in white. I uh, got to go for the throat. Uh, if you want to like, if you want to like expend a little bit more mana on your removal, there's a card called Settle Beyond Reality. I, I wasn't familiar with this card, but it's it, it like you pick two targets, one of mine, one of yours. Yours gets exiled forever. Mine gets exiled and comes right back into the battlefield. So I can bounce like I could bounce that. I could do that whole wall of omens mentor of the meek thing again. Uh, I could bounce. Uh, what's his name? What's that? Thing? Eternal witness. I could bounce an eternal witness. Uh, I got options. Also in the removal category, I've got Kasali Pride Mage. It's the exalted creature that lets you just sack it to destroy an artifact or enchantment. That's very useful. Um, damnation, right? That's my board wipe. I've got one board wipe, which is perfect for me. Like this is perfect for me and my style of play. Like I love one board wipe, a bunch of targeted removal, draw ramp, and then just let's do some fun stuff. Uh Dauntless Escort, that's the Selesnia creature that sacks to give your team indestructible, which you would you would do that right before you cast your damnation so none of your team dies except for the Dauntless Escort that you sacrificed. That's, this is incredible. This is such a strong start. I got a little... And then, so looking deeper into the commons and uncommons, there's definitely a... There's themes to what the colors want to do. And they're fairly supported i think uh there's a plus one plus one counters package you have access to obzon falconer inok bondkin tuskguard captain these are little creatures with outlast but the key features of them is that they grant abilities to other creatures with plus one plus one counters um flying first strike and trample respectively i think the Tuskard Captain, I think that's the only way to give trample into something. So if I if I manage to cast the impervious great worm that like 1616 or whatever the heck it is, I'm gonna need a way to get a plus one plus one counter on it to give it trample. Uh, but there's tons of ways to do that. Travel preparations, uh, it's got flashback. I can throw a bunch of counters around everywhere. It's great. 
speaking of going wide, right? Like Creekwood Liege, that's the liege that makes a worm that becomes a 3-3 every turn. Uh, Dragonlord Dramoka is protecting me so that people can't do anything on my turn. Uh, so I can, I, I'm not gonna get my stuff countered. I'm not gonna, like, I can attack and my opponents can't, like, remove creatures in combat or whatever with spells. Uh, excellent. But if I need a little bit more protection, I do have God's Willing. That's a single white instant that give your creature a protection from a color. And I think you scry one as well. Or is that the one that gives you a plus one plus one counter? If it gives a counter, it's even better in this deck. I don't know that it is. Uh, Dark Steel Plate. It's a piece of equipment that makes you indestructible. It's incredible. Put that on the commander. Great. We haven't talked about commanders yet. I think the commander for this deck... See, as I said, I wanted to make the rule where we're allowed to reach outside of the deck, the box, to get the commander. So any odds on commander, but... There's a couple of Obzong commanders that are actually in Double Masters. I did not open a Teneb the Harvester, but I think that's who I want to make as the commander. Teneb is that flying 6-6 six, six for 6, 3 plus Obzon. Uh, whenever it deals combat damage to a player, you can pay 2 in a black, and if you do, you put any creature from any graveyard into play under your control. Doesn't have to be the creature you hit whatever uh it could be your own graveyard just as a graveyard it's great it's great i think that's our commander and i think this is a super cool man yeah i just wish everyone could do this this is like i would love to crack a couple boxes and everybody makes their commander deck out of that box i think this is the perfect level of box to do it i, I really do think that this kind of points to putting together a perfect level of a commander deck the perfect kind of strength the perfect you know some removal some board wipes it's not degenerate you kind of got to dip into a couple of strategies you got to make your spells count not everything is a two for one cool very cool environment but maybe there's something we can do i mentioned earlier that you know when, when a deck's price is listed it's you know, like, what does that mean? Like, how many of those cards do I care about? Am I going to buy? But like, I think we're the day where there's numerous like simulator sites. It, I think it would be trivial to find a website to that would let you crack a digital box of double masters and spit out the list of cards that you would have randomly gotten from it. You know, you'd have to do honor systems so people don't crack hundreds of boxes looking for perfect combinations of cards. But I think you could do it digitally and then you get to have that fun. Okay, you don't get the fun of smelling the cards and actually peeling away the wrappers. That's a fun that you can't do digitally. But I think this is the set that's worth doing that for. I think it's worth finding a way to crack them. And then, like I said, you might have a lot of the lands already. I mean, well, these lands are the double Bravnica bounce lands, right? The dual lands that way. So I mean, everyone's got those. You've probably got, you've you've got a Talrand if you opened one. You probably got a couple of those lieges. Um, the, the commons and uncommons are, a lot of them are good commander cards or at least passable ones that you might have lying around somewhere. Uh, I think everyone's got an Inok Bonkin for if you have that counter deck. And if you don't, it's like a nickel. So if you do this, I bet you you don't have to buy a box. I bet you you could just crack one digitally, make the list and be like, this is my commander deck. This is what I want to do. And then throw it together 
and make that the night. Maybe that's like your commander double masters league. And that's, that's what you play for a while. Maybe you play those decks for a little while. I bet you, I bet you if you're kind of seasoned, I suspect most of my listeners are fairly seasoned commander players. You've probably got a decent collection. I bet you, you can put most of that deck together without having to buy too many cards. And if you, if you open an Imperial seal and you're like, oh, well, I don't have one of those, <laughs> then like proxy that one. Like, I think that's fine. Um, that's my pitch. This is a cool thing to do. Thank you to the Wizards Tower for giving me this box to open and to put on live chat. If you want to watch me open it, go ahead on YouTube. I mean, I've said everything I'm going to say about it. You'll, you'll see all this stuff anyway. I left a couple things out. Maybe you want to do it differently. But yeah, thank you for listening. This is fun. Um, I'll be back next week with a more traditional deck tech, I imagine. But in the meantime, you keep being you. The world is a better place for it.